Um, and then after we kind of go through each day, there's a section where we kind of go into the, the traffic. Um, somebody ate bugs. Um, some interesting things, you know, interesting things that happened along the way um, that are there as well at the end of the program. They're quite good. Yeah. Tell them about what's, what's going to Oh, so um, in, in the back, I did, I set it to do a six-second transition, um, except for the, the title slides, I think, are two seconds. But if we have a question or whatever, we might want to escape to talk about it for a minute, if we can kind of be flexible. Go ahead and get started. So our first three days, you guys know, were travel. And travel there was relatively smooth. Um, you can see we're on the plane. We Pretty much the only pictures we got were of the, the screenshots above. Um, this, I'm probably going to be going, to, I'm probably going to talk more. We're probably going to have to go back. <laughs> sorry. Maybe I might have you just automatically push them forward. So sorry. So um, on the seat backs of our plane, we could see kind of a, a, a whole world view of where we're going. So that bottom uh, left is the first flight from Orlando to Amsterdam. And then the top right is um, Amsterdam to Nairobi. Um, and the, the first picture of the four of us there, that's nice and fresh at eight o'clock when we first got on the plane in Orlando. And then that next picture is, you know, probably about after about 20 hours of travel. <laughs> and there really was no sleep. Um, for, for us, I, I think a couple of, we, we caught our head doing this a couple of times, um, but it, it really wasn't restful. And then uh, when we got to Nairobi, <coughs> excuse me, when we got to Nairobi, this is the, um, an example of one of the rooms that we stayed in. Um, it did have a mosquito net around it. All of the rooms did, although the mosquito nets had holes in them. They were ripped, so I'm not sure how well they worked, but we did not contract malaria. Um, did have a small toilet that's a, an all-in-one in that space. There was a toilet, a shower head, and a sink um, all, all in one. Um, and then that's just some of the traffic there in Nairobi. And this is our host family. Uh, Trinity Baptist Church is the ones who put us up. And then this is, again, very common to see just cows walking along the road, um, any, any type of livestock. Um, you can go on to the next slide. And the, that's actually a bicycle um, piled high with bags. We, the amount of things that you could see um, were just amazing. A lot of bicycles, um, and, and especially on the, the travel from Bushif Hotel to the different churches. Uh, a two-lane road, imagine something like 405 South Street going from town out to Cheney, and, uh, uh, but no lines. Uh, where there were lines in the center, they were only a suggestion. Um, <laughs> Uh, of course, the traffic is on the left side of the road, okay, from the British influence. But also, I don't think the whole two weeks, maybe in Nairobi, but 
once we left Nairobi, I don't think I saw a single stop sign, stoplight, lane indicator, anything. It was just give it your best shot. Just go ahead. And and uh, if you were uh, coming up behind a slowpoke and you wanted to pass them, and if there was a car coming, whether it was a curve or a straightaway, didn't matter. If you thought you could make it, go for it. And, uh, yeah, and we did see uh, there were a lot more bicycles and motorcycles, probably ten times more than we saw cars and trucks. Uh, everything was loaded down. The first day we saw, this is no joke, we saw a casket on the back of a motorcycle. There's no limit to what they can fit. Furniture, mattresses, yes. ten mattresses tall on the back of a motorcycle. Five people. Five people, yeah. I, you know, two people, that was very common. And then, then we saw, started seeing three, and then we thought, hey, that one's got four people. Are you kidding me? And then, lo and behold, five people we saw on one motorcycle. All right, let's move ahead. Again, this is our little, our last little plane that we took um, the next day. Uh, that was just a little puddle jumper, and then um, got to Kisumu. From there, we had about a two and a half hour drive, um, very bumpy, rough drive from uh, Kisumu to Busia, and it was we. That's when we learned about Kenyan time because we would say, you know, at, at this point we'd been up about thirty hours and hadn't really eaten in about fifteen hours, and we thought, could we stop to get something? Ten more minutes. Okay, in 10 more minutes, do you, how, you know, do you think we could maybe, maybe make a stop? 10 more minutes. <laughs> so 10 more minutes is Kenyan time. I think we heard that about five times. Before we finally made it to the hotel. So the hotel had a big spread waiting for us, um, so that was nice, just a, a picture of some of the food. Um, chapati, uh, the flatbread, that's my favorite. I am, have a recipe. I can't wait to try to make it here. Um, so that night we had an early night, and then we're ready to roll the next morning. So our first church was the Church of Mangatsi. We were there for four days. Let's see if we can get some volume on this. This is just an example of their very exuberant worship. Um, this could go on for 30 seconds. It could go on for 25 or 30 minutes. Very very typical call and response, which is a old, old African style. Leader singing a line, and then the congregation would either sing that line back to him or sing a different line in response. And it was back and forth from the leader, back and forth to the congregation. And the women um, undulating their voices, doing a, a, a call out in their native tongue was, was quite beautiful. So these next few slides, we can let them go. They're, um, you know, basically the, the church... Um, as we're worshiping, on the left side was only for women. The right side was for men and teenagers. Um, and children kind of flocked around. Um, children were incredibly well behaved. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very typical. Every church, we went through the same process on the first day uh, of the four, di four different churches. Uh, after we had sung a while, after I think maybe Stan and I had each delivered a sermon, then it was time for the formal introductions, and they would call all of the deacons up and their wives, and they would all speak words of welcome to us, you know, coming from America, coming to the church, and how they were praying for us, and uh, and then we would have to give a response, you know, back as well, uh, all uh, very formal in uh, recognizing those thanks and, and welcomes. 
So just, uh, yes, a lot of candid pictures. Um, that's one of both Dad and Stan preaching that first day. That's the little nursery outside. There's just a tent, and um, one of the pregnant mothers sat outside with the children that were maybe getting a little bit too antsy. But very rarely, even, you know, children as young as 18 months, two years, they would walk up and just watch, and then, you know, anyone would just pick them up and put them on their lap, and they were fine. It was, it was, it was very good. So meeting with everybody. They loved to have a snap, is what they called, um, have a picture taken. They wanted to have a snap made with the whites. Um, so we would have lines after service of everybody lining up and wanting to get selfies with the wazungos. That's what we're called, the wazungos. Um, and that's what we would hear driving down the road, wazungo, was it? because many have not seen a white person we, ever. We were told many of uh, the children we were probably the first whites that they had ever seen. Yeah. I, I didn't see any other whites the whole time we were there. One morning in the hotel, there was a family um, with a white father. But other than that, the whole nine days, I never saw another white person. Um, again, this is presenting. Um, this is the ladies of the church being presented, the Sunday school teachers, the women's leaders. Uh, this is Mary in the purple dress there. That's Pastor Augustine's wife. Um, she decided the first day we were both in purple, and so she greeted me. She says, you are my twin, my American twin. So I um, happened to plan to wear my things two days in a row anyway, so I wore my purple dress the next day too. <laughs> and um, she wore purple every day for four days um, and, and greeted me as, as her twin, so that was very special. Um, the upper left there, I think it's your left as well, um, that's, the, that's the kitchen. Um, it's a mud hut. Um, each of the churches had a separate small kitchen building, and that is where the um, they cooked for us. And it's it's it, and and that is actually the old the original church building. Um, and then when they created the new church building, then they were able to have a kitchen. Um, and it's just dirt floor. It's literally mud and twigs, you know, built together. Um, and they put a wood fire in there, and that's how we had our rice and green grams every day. All right, so this was our first field trip. Um, at the end of that first first day, um, even took us to this location that I'm looking for. It's called Obilo Rock. This is my cheat sheet. <laughs> all my all my Swahili is on here and, and all that. So this is called Obilo Rock. It's a just a natural rock formation. Um, Dad and Stan stayed down at the van, and Miss Betty, if you remember from the commissioning service, who is now turned 94, Miss Betty and I climbed all the way to the top. Um, and even, of course, helped helped Miss Betty quite a bit. But it's a, just very beautiful. Um, the way the rocks are leaning against each other, you'll see in another picture, um, even was actually able to climb under. And this is a um, an area where people go to meditate and pray, to feel close to the Lord. Um, so a lot of times people will go up there and um, just experience the quiet. Um, evidently there are large cats that like to experience the quiet as well, but we didn't see any while we were there and even didn't tell us that till after we left. So I was grateful for that. 
But it was nice to see. And, and I think what struck me here, um, Pastor Augustine went with us. This was only about, maybe there's even underneath the rock there. This was only about a five-minute drive from the church. But what struck me was that Pastor Augustine, who has lived in that village his entire life, did not know that that existed because it was farther than where he would walk in a day. It was off a different path because they don't have vehicles. They don't have, they rent the motorcycles. That's why they pile them to the sky and put five people on because they've had to pay 200 shillings to rent this motorcycle. They've got to get their, their money's worth. Sometimes I'm slow, I admit that. It, it didn't strike me until the second or third day at that first church. There were 100, 150 people there, not one car. There is no parking lot. It's just a church on a plot of ground beside a dirt road. You know, it's not like a nice big paved parking lot like we have. Uh, and that was the same for all four of the churches we went to. I never saw a single car, but yet 150 people would show up for preaching and worship. So the, all of the villages that we went to were within about five miles of each other. So that relatively close, it would be it would be kind of like being in Titusville, maybe going to Mims and maybe going to South Titusville and maybe going but that would have been pushing it. But these people only know where they can walk their their immediate surroundings. All four of the churches that we went to had been founded, had been started by uh, Pastor Augustine Opoli, our host at the Mungazi Church, and he was getting ready to start his fifth one. Okay, so next day, we'll, we'll try to go a little faster so we don't keep you. I think this is some more music. This is still at Mungazi. So this one is actually in Swahili. It was interesting, though, that even though many of them did not speak Swahili, they would sing their, their songs in English. I mean, sorry, they didn't speak English. Um, one of the ones, my favorite, I think we heard it at every single church, and I, I think it's on a video later on. Um, when my God says yes, nobody can say no. And they would just repeat that with such joy and faith and affirmation for 15 minutes. That was their just there was it wasn't a show being put on it was it was absolutely from their heart worship which was very nice to see so again day two a lot of the same more with the kids this is the first day that we did be that we were able to break up into groups though the first day we spent more time um doing the introductions and all of that so this was the first time we had were able to have our small groups um, and the kids, I was overwhelmed with the amount of kids I had there. Um, I had brought, um, 75 little bags each day that had a cross necklace and a package of crayons and a bouncy ball. And I ran out every day. Um, and it just broke my heart because their little hands would come up and I wouldn't have one. So luckily I had a lot of extra cross necklaces that um, we had put together. And then the next day I would bring them the little cross necklaces. Some, the children spoke more because they're learning it in school. But we had, I had a translator. Yes, yes. And we can keep going. 
Um, so this is, again, during worship, and uh, it's hard for me to see. This is my children's group. That's how huge it is. We're just, they all just carried their chairs out, and we sat along the side. And um, I just, you know, read to them. They were so smart. One of the questions I asked them if they had a question for me, and they wanted to know. I was reading the story of um, Hannah bringing um, to the temple and wish wanting for a baby. Um, and they're asking, and I said, well, who is Eli's father? I'm like, oh, i got to look that up. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I'm like, so luckily, Google, you know, I was able to help them out there. But I'm like, huh, let's not do any more question and answer. Let's just go to the next story. <laughs> you know? um, go ahead. I think the, these next pictures, this is the men. Typically, the smaller group was, was the men that were there. Um, definitely women and children. This is all the women inside. The women got to stay inside. The men and the children got kicked outside. Um, but I gave the kids coloring sheets, and they loved them. They spent probably 20 minutes wanting it to be perfect, and then they wanted it graded. They found out that I was a teacher. So they would come up, teacher, teacher. Oh, and this is, okay, we have to stop here a second, and I'm going to try not to cry. So the little baby on this previous slide, this is baby Biden, and... Biden was given to me pretty much soon as we got to services most days until it was time to go home. And I just, if I could have brought Biden home, it just, I just, yeah. So keep Biden in your prayers. His mom, Bridget, um, at one point she said she was 18, then it was 16. She looks about 13 um, in, in a single parent home. Her mom was a young unwed mother as well. Um, and you know, he, I, I was crying two weeks ago. He contracted malaria. Our, our brother even was able to get him to the hospital when he was seizing and, and paid for medication for him. Um, but just pray for them. If I could adopt him, I would, <laughs> um, I would have brought him home in my suitcase. He's three months old, but he's about the size of a four or five weeker right there. Um, so I, I, uh, even gives me updates on him. So just keep them, that one, that, this is one that really touched my heart. Um, so that's me. You'll, you'll see several pictures with me hauling around, um, holding around Biden over those four days. Um, again, with the, the mothers and the children wanted to come forward and, you know, have us, you know, hold their babies and take snaps. Um, and let's see, this is, we'll keep going. Um, back to worship on that first day. Um, again, the kids just come up and participate or go sit down or not, and it's, it's fine. You know, they're never, ever disruptive. I never, ever heard anybody cry. These are our ladies. One of the things that we did at each service to, or at each church, we had um, donated, many people had donated um, jewelry. Oh, my goodness, these women were so proud of the jewelry that they got um, and so proud to show it off and put it on and want pictures and um, and that kind of thing, that, that that was just a really, something so simple for us to clean out your jewelry drawer, you know, the things that you haven't worn in years, maybe you bought it for one simple dress and never wore it again, and it was just such a gift to them. Um, and this, I believe, is distributing literature. We also, um, Stan's ministry, Redeeming Grace Ministries, had brought, oh, this one's a cute one, so I don't know if you can see in the big picture there, I don't know who, who made the um, little kissy squares. So it's, it's hard to see. Mary Smith, uh, 
she makes the little the little squeaks toys and you put a, a Hershey kiss in it and it says please me and I'll give you a kiss. Well, we were afraid that the chocolate, the, the Hershey chocolate might melt in transit. Uh, so we did a, a little peppermint, star-like peppermint mint uh, instead, but they were so thrilled. So they weren't quite sure how to make them work, and so this little girl had brought hers up to um, to Dennis while we were eating lunch, and so I don't know if you can see, it's on Dennis's nose. Um, <laughs> and that that just tickled her to no end. So it just having, you know, even though, you know, we didn't have a translator right there, we could still communicate and, and show them love, and, and they were just... Uh, the, a, a big misunderstanding, and and maybe not because it's what they've experienced. But you know, even has told me the day he picked us up in in um, Busia, his mom was afraid he wouldn't come home. They're afraid of whites. That you know, whites are going to have harsh words for them. They're going to hurt them. That you know, these kind of things. And his his mom was begging him, even though they desperately needed the money for him to be a, a driver for VIPs. The whites were the VIPs. Um, didn't want him to do it because she was afraid that we would kill him. And um, so there's that cultural fear and that we were able to break that down by just showing God's love is remarkable. I'm very long-winded, you guys. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll be quiet and just let us enjoy the pictures. <laughs> Oh, that's the cassava. Sorry, I said I would be quiet. Um, so cassava root um, is a tuber. Um, it is one of the main three crops. So um, corn, cassava, and sugarcane are the main three crops um, there in Kenya. And there was a field of cassava right next to us. So even, um, as you said, we're going to hear a lot about even, even went and pulled one up and um, cut it open and showed it to us, and we ate it there raw. So, oh, Dad ate it. I don't think I ate it. I ate that one. It's, uh, they look like small trees, small saplings, you know, maybe a two-inch at, at the most diameter trunk and, and leaves, and it, the roots are the edible part, uh, and they looked kind of like sweet potatoes, uh, and you just uh, peeled them, and, and I ate a couple of bites raw, had a, a kind of an earthy... Um, peanutty flavor to it, but after they after they harvest them, all they have to do literally is just take that stalk and stick it back down in the ground, and it grows, starts growing roots again. And it, I think it produces three or four times a year, so it's a very uh, significant food source. So the the kids liked the van. <laughs> they would they did enjoy doing that. Um, so this day six four five six. Okay, so this is um, a big day. We can go ahead and talk through it. But what we're going to see coming up here, this is the um, probably the day that uh, moved our hearts the most during the entire trip. This is the day that um, Dennis had the privilege of baptizing seven young Kenyans in in the water in the river. Um, and when we get to those pictures, there's a picture for each, um, for each of the baptisms. But again, something that um, we were told was that even though there have been missionaries to come in the past and have performed baptisms, it's been either with a pitcher or going, they would want to rent out one of the expensive hotels that had a pool, clean water. 
This is the first white man to ever baptize someone in that area, in the river, ever. We finished our services at the Moongatsi Church. People started heading down to the river a little more than a half a mile away, down a dirt road. Of course, we had the luxury of being in a van. And uh, so we began to overtake people as they were spread out, you know, in small groups, making their way down to the river. And we passed a group of women singing. And I asked even, what, what are they saying? What are they singing right now? And he said, Jesus was on the cross. You must decide. I sat there in the van and just wept. It touched me so much. We got to the river. The road ran out. It was just a footbridge across the river, probably a couple hundred feet. And then about 50, 40 or 50 feet down a very steep slope down to the water. And uh, I don't know if they were concerned about my health or my, my, my stability and breathing or what, but I had one brother under this arm and one brother under this arm, and they practically carried me down that slope and then out into the water. And it was my privilege to, to baptize those youth to the sound of women singing at the top of their voices. And I had the vantage point. The pictures there show me out in the water. But I had the vantage point of being able to look over here and see a huge boulder out in the water where two or three people had waded out and were standing on that boulder. And another one over here and another one over here. And then people on the bank all the way up. It was a, a, a panoramic view of people standing on the bank and up on the bridge looking down, singing at the top of their voices as I baptized those youth. It was a memory that I will cherish forever. We found out later. Yeah. They always tell us these things after the fact. That's walking back after taking him back to the van. I was very tired. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a long trip down and up that, definitely. the undulations and they get oh my goodness they the little girls would come to me and then say can you jump and I'm like I can't jump they say can you hop and I'm like I can bounce <laughs> you know I can't I there's no way I was going to be jumping around um on there so this is their Sunday service so it was a little bit shorter um but much the same and then um after service this day we were invited to the pastor's house for lunch um, so there's a couple of pictures of that, but again, just more of the same, the, um, children in the service, this is the, the, um, the group that was baptized, they were, um, given Bibles first, um, and we handed out Bibles on this last day that we were there, so these Bibles were in Swahili, 
um, and we had 200 total, 200, 220, 200 total Bibles to give out over um, throughout the four churches. Um, and that, you know, again, was just a, such a blessing for them to be able to read the word in their language. And see, I have Biden again. <laughs> I think that was the day he was handed to me through the window of the church. <laughs> And giving their tithes, even again, you know these these people that have nothing, you know, bringing their their tithes forward. Oh, okay, so this is Brighton. He's another one of my little fun fun friends. So a little story about Brighton. Um, he was a little afraid of me to begin with, but then by day two or so, he decided I was okay and, you know, had to come visit me. Um, so even as recently at, well, last week I got a message, and then just before we got, we left to come here, even messaged me and said he had, he had done another uh, job with the van, and he was taking it to get cleaned, and he saw Brighton and his mother there. And Brighton came running, singing, um, Garia Wazunga, Garia Wazunga, which is vehicle of the whites. <laughs> he, he recognized the van. And he came inside, and he started crying because we're not there. And he's done that twice <laughs> since we've been gone. So that's my buddy Brighton. So this is the full church um, showing off their Bibles, holding their Bibles up for our group picture. All right, and then this was, oh, on the, there you go. You've got three people on the motorcycle there. You've got um, Augustine's son, wife, and 100-year-old mother all on the motorcycle to, to ride to his house. Um, and so the, these next pictures are pictures there at his house. Um, the chickens are family and food, um, but, you know, they, they come in and have a, have a nest on the couch if they want to. So that was a little different. Um, again, this is their, their kitchen house. Um, at their house, all very much the same, um, just the 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 wood uh, or the the mud hut, um, and then on their property, which I don't think I got a picture of, and we can keep going. Um, it is, okay, this is Nasimi, so we're gonna have another video. I think this is uh, the song that I like to. Oh, it's a different one, but I liked this one also. Yes. This church had two um, guitarists um, that the other church didn't have. The other church had um, just an um, electric keyboard. Um, I forgot what I was saying. It's okay. Yeah, so then um, again here at Namisi. So same thing, um, a little bit more rural here. Um, at this church, but the same basic process, dad and Stan uh, preaching in the morning, um, back and forth a couple of times, 
Um, this was actually New Year's Day, so this was uh, a parade that was walking by the church um, while we were having services. Um, and then um, during service, a lot of the women were out um, in the cookhouse preparing for our meal. So then it was, you know, it was really special that they could then come out, and when we did the small groups, they would be able to come in um, with Miss Betty. Sunday. Well, work is very hard to come by. Uh, there's not much work, but yes, but they do they do have Sunday services. Yes. 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 So this is um, introducing us at this church again. The first day they were introducing us to um, the different leaders, the children's leaders, the um, women's leaders, youth leaders. Um, and then at this church and the other church, they they've um, very affectionately, what I would consider like elders or deacons, they wanted the old, the, all the old men to come up. Um, and, but that was a term of endearment, you know, the, the, the elders in the church. So we had our small groups here. Larger crowd of men at this church than we had the day before. Um, and giving kids the gifts. Again, they loved seeing my bag come out. This lady in green, we'll talk about her again later, kind of remember her. She gives me a very lovely gift the next day, an interesting gift, I will say. So this is the one of the guitarists there, and the women getting their jewelries. And then we also gave out Bibles here as well. and our, our church picture here with everybody with their Bibles. They were so grateful to receive those Bibles. Many of them were weeping when they came up to the front for us to hand them a Bible and just say, God bless you. No, no, and um, the, I didn't see any women in slacks at all. Now, the children, the young children, a couple of times at our that first church, there was what I'm sure you probably in, assumed two little boys kind of always come to the front, about maybe two years old, 18 months old. They're girls, <laughs> but the clothing is what they have available. Um, so one of, the, one of the things I found out and didn't realize, we noticed a lot of them had, like, gap shirts, um, one Sunday, I saw someone wearing a University of South Carolina shirt, which is where my husband went to college. I'm like, well, they didn't go to college here, I don't think. Um, and what I found was what even explained is that clothing is very expensive. Um, I, and I forgot to bring it, I bought about five bolts of fabric to bring back. Um, and I paid about three to 4,000 shillings for each bolt, which is about $4. And that's too expensive. 
So um, most of them, the, the ones that have clothing like this made out of their materials um, have, have gotten it um, and are maybe a little bit well, more well off. Maybe they have a job, maybe their spouse has a job. Um, most of what they get, um, there are clothing, like, um, like if you were to go to an outlet store or a Bell's outlet, you know, you've got the stuff that is maybe name brand, but it's a little bit irregular or didn't sell well. That is sold in the markets, but again, usually too expensive. Um, so most of where they get their clothing, if you have seen around town here, the metal boxes that say clothing delivery. Those boxes, and my, and my daughter had told me this, and she's, Mom, I told you so, once I saw that it was, I'm like, I don't think that's true, but it's true. Um, those boxes don't get gone through, don't get washed, don't get sorted. It's all put into a giant yellow bag, and it's sold to a middleman who then sells it to third world countries. And because the, the government, the, the people don't want to pay taxes on it, the government doesn't want it to come in and have to pay fees on it. So across the hall, across the, um, from our hotel, there was a big field and they had market day on Saturday and Sunday. And I was seeing these big, big, huge, like yellow tarps. Like even, what is that? It's those clothes. They get dumped out and someone who maybe has a few extra, you know, a couple hundred shillings will buy it and then sell it at a very inexpensive rate, you know, maybe five shillings or 10 shillings, which is pennies to us. Um, so that is why, you know, my little Biden had a pink jacket and um, the kids in the front were actually girls, but they were wearing boy suits um, because they just don't have it. They, they, they use what they have. They use what they can get. So, sure. Um, and we can just kind of let this slides um, play, I think, because um, it's, it's, I think, much. Oh, wait, there is something special on this day. Sorry. There's so many special moments. So the medical, um, we, didn't, we didn't talk about it so much then, but I've learned a lot more since then. I, when I say even has become family, he is my brother. I talk to him probably three times a day. Um, he, he thought I was oversleeping for this, and he called me three times. Sis, you got to wake up. I'm like, I'm up. <laughs> I was in the other room. Knowing Leah, he calls me Pop. And Elisa has never met her, but he always he refers to her as either Nini, which the grandchildren call her, or Mum. Yes. So he is. He's. I. I told him he's. I. I prayed my whole life for a baby brother. It just took me to turn forty-four to get one. Um, so anyway, even has explained to me. So there is government health insurance that you have to be able to afford, um, but even the lowest payment, because we were, you know, talking about. I, my husband was hospitalized last week and, and, you know, I was commiserating to him, you know, we've got to come up with these, you know, down, um, deposits and, you know, all of this. And he says, he says, what? He says, your, your money is so rich. How is, how are things so expensive? Even if you have the cheapest government health care plan, the most you're going to pay when you go to the emergency room is 50 shillings, which is about $6. For your entire hospital stay. And here we're looking at, you know, you've got a $4,500 deductible, you've got an $8,500 max out of pocket, you've got $200 co-pays and, and all of this. And he says, how is this? How can this be? That you're the richest company, country in the world. I said, even. <laughs> 
Oh, yes, yes. In fact, there is a medical college when we, at our last section of pictures, um, there is a medical college there in Busiatown um, as well. So, yeah, they, they're all fully trained and, and everything. Yep. So the, I think what we're going to be getting to here, and I'll go ahead and start sharing the story because it'll take me a minute. Um, this was our second day at the Church of Nemesi. And um, at the end of this day, the elders kind of wanted the, um, uh, the men to talk, uh, or, or dad and, and, and Stan. So um, Betty and I were just kind of sitting to the side. And um, even called me over, and he said, there's a woman who, who wants you to pray with her. And um, I said, well, he, I said, he's, you know, what do you, um, or he, she wants to talk to you. And he explained her situation. Um, she was destitute. She was afraid she was going to lose her children. Her husband had died. She didn't have a job. And at, at this point, I mean, one of, the, one of the things with this is that we heard so many sad stories. And we just, there's only so much we could do. We had, we had brought means to do some things there, but you can't, you just can't help everybody. And, um, so he called, he, I said, I said, even, I said, I can't, I don't have anything. I can't give her anything else. And he said, she just wants you to pray. And so I came over and I sat down with her and, um, she didn't speak any English. So there was, um, a couple of young men from the church and they explained, you know, she had a three and a five year old that again, I would have guessed were maybe 18 months and two years old is how tiny these children are. And her husband had died and she had no, no means of income and, didn't know what was going to happen. And so I prayed with her just that, you know, God would give her peace and that would, you know, shed a light on a way for her and, you know, find them well. And then that evening at dinner, Even gave us each a letter. And in my letter, and her name is Gladys, by the way, um, an hour after I prayed with her, she received an offer to come be a housekeeper in Nairobi. And the family was going to send her children to school for her and take care of them. So she was literally on a bus to Nairobi that night. And that's not on me at all. That's on him. But just the, the, uh, the fact that we were able to just have those moments. And she just believed enough in the power of prayer that she just wanted the Wazungo to pray for her. Now, that's, my prayer isn't any different than the pastor's prayer, um, but in that moment, I mean, it was, it's like the woman reaching out to touch the garment of Jesus. She just knew if, if just, if I could just have this little bit, then I have that faith. So that was, and, and I get updates on her and her family. Her kids are both in school and doing well. So that was definitely another one of the highlights. So Sabimbe, this is our next to last stop. We had two days here as well. Um, again, do you have anything specific for Sabimbe? Um, this church actually is right next door to Pastor Augustine's house, um, although it's not the church that he pastors. But the church of Sabimbe is actually the parent church of Mungazi, Nasimi, and uh, Malanga, which we'll go to two days from now. So we did see it. it uh, we did see some carryover of parishioners from these first three churches um, because they were a little bit closer. We definitely had new people, um, but we had some people that that would you know travel to each one. Um, 
so just again, you know, the this is this is the church where they had the children, and I think at the beginning of the next day, um, the video is is I'm walking behind the children, so you can see the picture there. The children um, wanted to dance and walk us in um, to celebrate that we were there. So each of the churches did have a small um, tent canopy, kind of like what you would see at a graveside, kind of an outdoor tent. They each had a tent like that for um, outside. Um, and usually that's where the men would sit under the tent for their Bible study or their small group. Um, and then on most days they fed us under the tent. A couple of times we ate inside the church. They would bring the tables up for us. Um, but most days we ate outside, which was nice because then you could actually get a little bit of a cross breeze and in the church it it definitely got warm No, all types. I mean, I, you could tell um, a little bit with, with the women with the clothing, if they had what, what I would consider traditional African garb, they probably had jobs. Um, the men all had very nice suits, but again, a lot of times those suits would still have tags on them where they had been donated into those bins. Um, and they didn't want to take the tags off because it was kind of a standing, you know, I have this nice suit. Um, So it, it was, you know, and, and again, I think the overall overwhelmingly putting their best foot forward for the whites, for the people that have come to us. They were just so incredibly grateful that that we were there. That's the children walking us in. And I'm going to be trying to be quiet for the rest of this day <laughs> so we can get going. I know. I, I talk a lot. I apologize. Some came without parents. Some just came. Mm-hmm. Some just just showed up. Some didn't have, you know, parents or grandparents, especially uh, the church we visit this last day. Um, there were children that just, just walked, and it was the most rural um, our last day. Um, we only spent one day there, and it was, it was the most rural location that we were at. Um, they did not have a, a church building. Um, there was a house that was being rented, um, and there was just a tent in front, and we just sat outside um, to do the service. The church people, mm-hmm. the church people. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and just uh, while these are going, you know, they uh, we have some pictures later on um, of brick making. Um, their dirt is very orange clay, so they have the resources they need in their yards. You know, they just dig a big pit. 
and let the soil ferment for a couple of days and then they add water and they make bricks and they let it cure and then they bake them and then they start building. So they're, they're very resourceful, um, you know, with, with what they have and, and being good stewards of what they have. Hot. Hot and sunny. We were, th- we were there during sum- their summer. Our winter is their summer because they're, you know, below the equator. Um, but, yeah, hot and sunny. Yep. We, had, we had a few evening storms um, overnight, but nothing like, the, nothing like Florida afternoon summer storms. Um, Oh, that's Gladys. Sorry, I missed up my days. But you got Gladys' story. That's what's most important. Overall, most people just wanted us to come back and tell you their story. They wanted us to, to you know, tell, tell the other whites about us. And they covet prayers. This last church uh, has only been in existence three or four months. And when we first got there, there were maybe half a dozen children and maybe seven or eight adults. But we started singing and more started walking in and walking in. And by the end of, by the time we were ready to to really get started, there were about 40 or 50 people there. And they don't even have a building. They just meet under a tent. Uh, There is a shell of a building uh, that I think they have access to. But uh, for the most part, they just meet under that tent beside the building. <laughs> and the latrines I, I did not post the most graphic picture um, it, it was literally just a hole in the ground and I was ever so glad I brought skirts to wear every day um, and we all, I think, said a little silent prayer every morning that our stomachs would behave until at least we got back to the hotel. <laughs> the hotel, our bathrooms did have toilets, but no seats. So that was interesting. But um, all of the villages that we went to, everywhere else, it was just an outhouse. Um, the first church that we went to did have a little bit of a concrete pour. Um, but the others were just dirt floors with a hole in the middle. So. Okay, so here's driving. And you see we're now in the other side of the road, and we've got a big bus coming by. And <laughs> and it, it seemed like it never was quite as scary when I was filming as when it, I would never catch it. But, I mean, I mean, it just gave us palpitations all the time. So this was our hotel, um, our bathroom, and of course our, our, our bedding there. Um, this is the hand washing. They did um, hand washing before every meal. They would come around with a, with a bucket of hot water and a bowl. There's a kitty on, at the hotel. <laughs> um, this is how they fill water. They um, go to the nearest reservoir and fill their jugs and carry them home. In the villages, we we had, yeah, 
only outside of the hotel. This is market day, so just along the road, and, and you'll see, you know, these are all either bicycles or motorcycles with things piled high. This is sugarcane. We would go by these, and I literally, if I put my hand out the window, I could grab some sugarcane. That's how close we would go to um, uh, crossing these. Found a YMCA. So those are everywhere. <laughs> um, this is the hospital and the medical college there in Busia. Um, monkeys, we got a, a little field trip one morning. We went out and got to see some monkeys that had, had come up at one of the parishes. Uh, these are the little piggies um, that uh, I don't know if, if you all have heard. We did end up um, gifting our brother Even. He, his dream has been to, this is Even with his pizza and his hamburger. Um, he's, he, his father passed away years ago. They do have um, about 10 acres of property, um, but he's solely responsible for his mother, Ruth, um, and his three sisters and his nephew. Um, and he's putting them through college. He does have a college degree. Um, he's putting them through college just through odd jobs. He had a good job at the sugarcane factory, um, but it's very corrupt, and he quit. He said he didn't, he didn't want to make money under corruption. Um, so he takes odd jobs, helps people, does what he can. Um, but his dream is to be a pig farmer, and he already had a... Uh, pigsty partially built um, and we pooled our resources and for this is the flies yeah, Paul's there. <laughs> so we stopped on the side of the road um, you see go ahead we uh, well what Leah was starting to say let me just finish we uh, every mission trip I've, I've ever gone on there was always some cause some individual some ministry something that we just had a special connection to, and we wanted to try to help in, in some way above and beyond. And uh, without question, it was unanimous among us uh, because of the impression that uh, this brother even made with us. His dream uh, for years, decades, has been to, to have a pig farm, to raise pigs commercially. And uh, we were able to uh, help him uh, do the construction. Do you have the pictures of the pigsty? Um, we saw it early in the tour, early in the mission trip, and then we saw it again later when it was being added to and being completed. Uh, we were able to give him funds to be able to complete construction of it, fence it in, wall it up, that kind of thing, cement floor, and to buy his first 10 piglets. And uh, he, he named four of them. <laughs> Okay. We noticed on the side of the road at a couple of places there was a small little nylon tent, maybe just three feet tall, dome-shaped, uh, of a, of a almost clear, you could see through this nylon, and a stake in the middle of it and a bucket at the top. And I, I started asking, and I guess I couldn't describe it well enough. The first few people I asked about it couldn't tell me what it was. Well, we finally saw one in the van with even. And we asked him, and he said, they're catching uh, flying ants, edible flying ants. 
And so we pulled off the side of the road. And uh, and the person, uh, the, you can see the, the woman through the window there behind Leah, uh, look, I think, and her son, they brought us a handful of these. And I thought, yeah, you're really, you're expecting me to do this. And I tried a couple, and they weren't bad at all. So the picture on the left there is Leah holding up one of these live flying ants. And then the picture in the top right is it's down down the hatch. Yes. They were, they were very good. I even was quite proud of us. He, he's decided we're, you know, genuine Kenyans now. Um, he said he can't even eat them raw. He likes them toasted, and that's usually how most people eat them. But no, no, and they're actually termites, but they call them both. The, but they're, they're, they call them flying ants, but they're actually termites. The rest of the trip, stay up there telling me I can't believe you ate a termite. <laughs> hey, when in Kenya... Okay, well, we'll try to wrap these up. So this is, all right, this is Evan's property, and you can keep going. So he actually built that house for his mother. The original um, mud house is there, is their kitchen. Um, and that's his mother, Ruth, and his nephew, um, T. This is some of the fabric shops. We went to two different um, seamstresses. Uh, to have measurements. Uh, Betty and Stan both had two sets of garments made. Dad had one shirt made. One of the stops was on the side of the road to get measured, so that was definitely an experience being measured for clothing. And here's my gift. Remember from um, my grandma um, a few slides back, um, she gifted me with a live chicken, and she wanted me to go out back and slaughter it right then and there and have it take it back to the hotel for dinner, um, but even explained to her that maybe that wasn't the best idea, and um, we ended up just putting it in the back of the van, and we gifted it to um, Evan's mother. <laughs> so he, he now has an extra chicken. The picture on the right, the picture on the right here, three guys, uh, three young men have just jumped onto the back of a tanker, semi-tanker truck, uh, hitchhiking. I'm sure the driver had no idea they were there. They just jumped on, and they happened to be right in front of us. And uh, so they were just catching a ride to go somewhere. The picture on the left, there were some street vendors uh, outside the hotel. This was our last morning, was it? And uh, they uh, were selling shoes and some jewelry, some bracelets, and uh, even uh, had them come in and, and come upstairs to where we were. And I think Leah bought a, a pair of sandals. There are some things. They're actually made from tires. They take old tires and um, cut them and cut them to shape and, and all that and some bracelets um, as well. It's very, it's very spotty. Um, even in the hotel, it really seemed to get worse the last few days. But, you know, we would be in the middle of dinner and the power would go out two or three times. Um, so it was very spotty. No air conditioning. No, 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 no. Um, but there, there was um, very spotty internet and electricity. In, in the pastor's home, it was just a drop cord, you know, from the rafters and then a, a bare light bulb. And then from that, another drop cord where over to his stereo. Didn't have TV, but he had a stereo. So uh, very meager, even electricity means. Most of the churches were run um, by generator, the, the sound for the churches and the music and everything. Um, so that's everything. The last uh, couple of slides just is our, our very um, complicated trip home. <laughs> um, we did 
get to cross the equator. Uh, we did that on the first day driving, but then um, we asked Evan to stop by again so we could get some pictures. So we did see the water swirl um, both directions um, at the equator. Um, did finally in um, Kisumu do a little bit of shopping, and then this is us finally getting on that plane to Paris. So if you haven't heard or uh, saw my panics, please, um, those night, um, we, we got a message from um, Delta the night before we were leaving that our flights had all been canceled. And the only thing that had not been canceled was the flight from Kisumu to Nairobi. So we were panicked, very much so. I could not explain the feeling that we, we had to get home. Um, I, and it was just, because uh, I'm typically kind of a, eh, another day, it'll be okay. But there was just, I, I just could not explain just how deeply I felt like we, we really had to get home. Um, and, and, you know, Stan was hospitalized a few days after we got home. My mom was hospitalized a few days after we got home. Dad then had COVID. I mean, it was, we needed to get home. <laughs> um, so we, our flight to Nairobi was not until seven o'clock that night. And we had planned to do some sightseeing that last day. It was the only time we'd had to, you know, maybe do, do a little bit of a preserve or, you know, do some, something, some sightseeing. But we told even, you know, we're so we just we've got to get to Busia as or get to Kisumu as fast as we can to see if we can get an earlier flight because all of a sudden our phones weren't working. We couldn't we couldn't call anybody. <laughs> and it's like all of this was just happening, you know, down spiraling. So we um we got to the airport and they said, you know, the the flight you, you missed it, it was half an hour ago. So you're you're stuck here till seven o'clock. So we tried to make the best of it, did some shopping, you know kind of rested in the airport there and and again they couldn't do anything for us we just had to get to Nairobi so we finally got to Nairobi around eight o'clock at night and at this point I know I hadn't slept since the night before um, finding out that our our flights were canceled and long long back and forth you have to go here you have to go here and here we are with 12 pieces of luggage both dad and Stan in wheelchairs Stan had fallen and hurt his knee um, and it was, it, it was, it felt very dire. Um, so we finally get to the right place, but they would only let me go in. They wouldn't let anybody else go in. So I had all the passports. They let me in and I was literally bawling at the ticket agent at the desk, trying to explain to her, Stan is diabetic. We don't have, we don't have extra insulin. Like we, we have to get home. You don't understand. Like this is, this is dire. And she kept saying, I, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, the next, the best thing was like two nights forward and that we would just have to sit in a hotel. So I'm texting my husband. He was supposed to go to band practice. He calls his friend, you know, he can't make it. He gets home and um, he's looking online, looking online. And the gate agents, were, I said, listen, I said, fly me into Atlanta. I'll rent a car and drive. I can fly me into Miami, you know, and I'm trying to name off all these places because they don't know the U.S. Right? So they don't know what to look for. They said they asked me one time um, was Chicago. And I said, no, that's too far. I can't I can't drive from Chicago. Minneapolis? Minneapolis. I'm like, no, 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 Florida, <laughs> you know, and and I'm, you know, I'm panicking and I can't think of all the airports and everything. So my wonderful husband is Googling and he says, I find I, I found a flight to Paris. It leaves in 20 minutes. And from there, you can get on a flight to, um, to home. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I I'm like, 
showing the lady that she, there's there's a plane it's here it's it's on the tarmac there's a plane that's here can we please get on this plane just get me out of Kenya <laughs> and then once I get to Paris I'll figure it out and and she's like I don't see it I don't see it and he kept sending he was finding all these flights and she says no it's full it's full and so finally he found one that not only got us on that flight leaving at this point in 10 minutes um, but it was our final destination was going to be Melbourne Florida um, so when I say I boohoo cried, it was, it was, it was genuine and I was thanking them and blessing them and, you know, all this. Well, now I have 10 minutes to get two wheelchairs, a 94 year old and 12 pieces of luggage through the Nairobi airport with three security checkpoints onto the tarmac to climb up the plane to get to Paris, but we made it. Um, and then we had a long layover in Paris, had some other snafus, but again, it, it worked out. And so big kudos to my husband for dropping everything and finding what even the airports couldn't find and made it so that we, you know, we finally got home. I think our final tally was about 42 hours without sleep. And then I slept, I think a good 36 hours straight after that, um, before going back. But I'll end unless, unless dad wants to say something else, the, um, the thing that I, I shared with you at our commission service was about the word go, and that those were the, the three times in my life I'd audibly heard the word of the Lord, and it was telling me to go. And that's the testimony that I shared at every church that we were with, and that I had full faith because what I had seen him do in the past when I had heard that, that I would be blessed way more than anything. And that is 100% what happened. We went to bless them, and my life was changed. Um, meeting even, literally having this brother who has held me up over the last two weeks, three weeks with all the health scares that we've had in our family and having someone 8,000 miles away called a prayer service in his village, you know, when, when my husband was getting ready to have a shock treatment to his heart and then we didn't have to have it. I mean, it's just the, the relationships that we've built and, you know, I know I will continue. I'm going back 100%. I don't know when and how, but I will be going back. Um, and I have, you know, God has laid some other plans on my heart for ways to help the, the people there. Um, but just thank you so much for, for everything that you did. And I'm sorry we went late. I know it's a famous football game on that everybody wants to go watch. But just one last comment. I had an email just this past week. Uh, I, I remember the man. I do not remember giving him my email. I gave it out to some other people, contact information. But... I had an email, hello, pastor, this is Bernard. Uh, I was, I'm a member of the Mungazi Church, and I just want to thank you again for coming and, and preaching and ministering to us. And I emailed him right back. I said, yes, Bernard, I do remember you. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a blessing for us. It was uh, God worked through us and blessed us uh, through this experience. And... Uh, he emailed me again. The next day, I had another email from Bernard, and he said, I wish you could be in Kenya all the time. He said, you fed us from God's word in a way we've never heard before. And so I, with Leah, say thank you because you allowed us to do that. To God be the glory. Any question or comment? We've, we've gone a little past the time, but uh, thank you again.
for all for your prayers and for your support that enabled us to to have a small part in this ministry yes sir uh no not really um uh there were some 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 big some big men there but uh uh not that i'm aware of all right let's pray together and we'll be dismissed father again we thank you that you enable us and you call us and you give us the opportunities to be actively involved in the work of your kingdom. And Father, we, we thank you that you allowed us to, to minister there in Kenya. We thank you for the seeds that were planted. We thank you for the lives that were touched. We thank you for the word that was preached. And we just pray that you would continue to bless these efforts and use them and multiply them for the sake of your kingdom. And Father, our prayer would be that you would help each one of us to find our place in the work of your kingdom, whether it's here in Titusville, across Brevard County, across our state, or wherever you might give us those opportunities. May your kingdom continue to grow and prosper. In Jesus' name, amen.